Are you ready? It's time. It's time to let go and use your voice. It's time to be real and it's time to heal. I'm Tiff Carson and this is Hard Beautiful Journey. Hey there, welcome to episode 82 of Hard Beautiful Journey. Have I ever told you how grateful I am that you listen to my podcast? If you haven't heard me say that yet, this is for you. Truly, it blows me away every time I hear about someone listening in. But you know what? I know it isn't just me you come to listen to. It's to hear from incredible guests like the one I have here today. Pamela O'Brien is here, and you will love this beautiful soul as much as I do. I am always amazed how God puts the people in my life that he knows I really need, and she is no exception. I can't wait for you to hear more about Pamela's journey. So without further ado, here is our interview. Hello, Pamela. How are you doing? (laughs) I'm good. How are you? Good. I'm so, so excited to have you on my podcast. I have been looking forward to this one since you sent in your request to be on my show. And I was so excited to get that. I met you when I lived in Turner Valley. Mm -hmm. I saw some posts of yours on the local Facebook page that you do some readings and your business name is Indigo Rose Intuition. And so I was like, I need to reach out to this lady because she seems to be very busy giving a lot of card readings. And so I booked an appointment with you and I have loved following your journey ever since. So the first reading that I had with Pamela, it was, I don't know, it was like I've known you forever. Yeah. Did you feel like that too? It was. And you know, what's funny is because when I do readings, I I try to meditate on the person's energy before they come, which is obviously significantly harder when I don't actually know the person. Mm -hmm. So what I often do is I'll just look at the image, their picture, like their profile picture on their social media where they messaged me. And I just try to like tap in a little bit. And I just remember I, I remember actually even asking a friend or two, I said, do you know this woman? I said, I feel like I know this woman from somewhere. Why? And I couldn't find a physical connection, nope. but it was all the more reason that when you came and we, we vibed and we did the reading and we've continued to chat since yeah. that it confirmed that there was definitely some kind of connection there. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. And I walked away from that reading with just so much gratitude for the messages that you brought through and just our connection. But I think it was more learning a little bit more about who you were, even in my reading. And that's what we're here to talk about today on this episode is some of the similarities that we have, some of the uh, similar journeys that we have been on, especially in the last five, 10 years. And yeah. I think that is also what's drawn us together too, is that. Oh, massively. Yeah. So how about we start with letting people know a little bit more about you? Oh, goodness. I If you would have told me five years ago that I was going to be reading tarot cards as a, as a pretty serious side hustle, I wouldn't have laughed at you because I've always appreciated spirituality, but I certainly never 
would have thought that I'd be the person giving the reading so much as receiving it. And you and I talked a little bit when I met you and did your reading about how I got into it. And I'm a born and raised small town girl, born and raised in Turner Valley. I've had some adventures and I've done lots of cool things with my life. And then when it started throwing me curveballs, I like to tell people the quintessential midlife crisis that that we often think that people are having is often just a, a reality check. Mm-hmm. And can be a little harsh. And I had mine and, and it led me to tarot because I, I watched a couple of videos on a whim and I felt like these people were looking into my soul. <laughs> and I thought, how could, how could they possibly know that? And I'm not crazy because I think I thought I was losing my mind. Mm-hmm. And when I got that validation, it was really pivotal for me in my journey. And, and then I got into it just for me. And then inevitably it went to friends and then I realized that I I really did actually have a bit of a gift for it. And then I wanted to help other people using tarot the same way that it helped me because it really was a game changer, I think, Mm -hmm. for my journey. And and it has its its place and and it's not always the answer. And and for some people it doesn't resonate just like anything. But I think for me and obviously for you and and so many other people that I've encountered along the way, it's actually been a really useful tool for healing. Yeah. So what are those things that you are healing from? What was it that broke you open? I think, I mean, I think I was in survival mode for a lot of years and I just finally got tired of it. And in that tiredness, had to really face some harsh realities about, at the time, my marriage. Just who I had become as a person, which was never a bad thing. I was never somebody that I'm not proud to be, but certainly didn't feel like I was fulfilling a purpose or that I was deeply, truly happy. I think I was living a life that I thought I was supposed to live. You know, the house, the job, the kids, the family, the white picket fence thing that we think that we're supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. And... And my ex-husband, there was some revelations in the last year or so that we were together and trying to work it out involving addiction and and some other things that really just made me realize that that those feelings I've been having for years, that something wasn't right, they were not just me. They were to do with my relationship as well. And when it all came crashing down, it came crashing down pretty hard, as it tends to do, right? Um, Would you- when the universe dark night of the souls for you? Oh, massively. And then what call it what you will. I mean, we do use that term a lot in spirituality. Midlife crisis is another one that some societal kind of approach to it. We call it that. But whatever you want to call it, at the end of the day, my reality came crumbling down and, and I had to I had to decide if I was going to let it take me down too, or if I was going to rebuild, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And so there was addictions involved in your ex's life that were part of the difficulty in your marriage and all of that as well. I know, and you know, from my story, I've dealt with addictions in my immediate family and it's not an easy thing to go through. So what's your experience with that? It's all, it's always so unique, right? But for me, I think there was a twofold thing. It was one that I didn't know. So it wasn't substance addiction in my ex-husband's case. It was gambling and pornography. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of it was hidden from me for, 
the majority of our time together. So there's that, that really traumatic reality shift when you realize that you've actually kind of been uh, essentially married to a stranger for mm -hmm. many years. Mm -hmm. And then because I'm an empathetic person, combine that with the fact that I completely have compassion for addiction and I completely understand that. And there was no judgment there in that way. But how do you navigate and honor yourself amidst having that compassion for the person that you're married to, right? Mm -hmm. So that that was one part of it for sure. And then I think the other thing that's interesting about it is, as you know, because your brother, his addiction was to a substance, yes, mm -hmm. or substance. Yeah, yeah. And I think that there's just such a difference there because my ex-husband was not addicted to a substance and there wasn't this threat to his physical body the right. same way that there is substances, right? Yeah. And I don't want to say that people don't take it as seriously because I'm sure that a lot of people do. But I, I guess there's a weird feeling of almost some people thinking that it wasn't that big a deal because it wasn't a substance. Right. It was a behavioral addiction problem. Yeah. And so I think some people maybe initially felt like I was blowing it out of proportion. But of course, nobody knows except for the people that are involved in the dynamic how much it can really affect oh, the relationship. I, it's a ripple effect, right? A huge ripple effect. And I actually interviewed another guest last season before I went on my break about his porn addiction and yeah. his, and how devastating it can be for yeah. not just his family, but himself. And so, yeah, mm -hmm. all addictions can have a dramatic impact and a ripple effect on everybody around you. I haven't heard that episode. I'll have to go back and find it. Yeah, no, it was it was really, really good. And and th that's the thing about addictions, too, is it doesn't need to be one that touches your you physically. Social media <laughs> is an addiction. Yeah, to be fair, you're right. And and they'll Stopping still I mean, there's an addiction, right? There's lots that don't harm you, your body physically, but it definitely harms your mental health. It harms yeah. your finances. It harms a lot of things so all well, addictions can, have their place right in how they in how they impact a family I, I agree I agree and I think that's one thing that I learned for sure in my experience and and I mean again I always had a, a compassion and an understanding for addictions I actually considered becoming an addictions counselor when I was back in university getting my psychology degree but at the end of the day I decided that it wasn't for me because I knew I was too sensitive <laughs> So the irony, right, that I chose yeah. to walk away from that because I knew that I didn't think I could compartmentalize it appropriately and handle it and then ended up having a, a totally different personal journey with it anyway. Right, um, exactly. And I always laugh and say, I mean, now I can laugh about it because I've healed from it, but I can laugh at it and say the universe really put me down that road and was like, fine, if you're not going to do it this way, we're going to we're going to put you in it in the crosshairs in a different way because they I, I do feel like you know, my purpose is to help heal myself and others. Mm -hmm. And who needs that more than the addiction community, right? Exactly. So you used to be a teacher. Is that right? Yeah, I, well, I was an educational assistant mm -hmm. who are basically the teacher. teachers that have the same credentials. Yeah. Yeah. For, oh, 15 years. And let me tell you my appreciation 
for EAs. It is it runs so deep. If you listen to <laughs> the first season of my podcast, the second season, all of my children have needed EAs in their education. And I absolutely love you for doing that important work, just teachers, but EAs as well. Well, it's um, like so- nurses and doctors, right? It is. It is. I, You're I, supporting. I share it. Like doctors are amazing, but nurses are the unsung heroes too. And I think it's the same with teachers and EAs. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So what yeah. made you decide to walk away from that career? Oh, God. Well, I think anyone who has a child in the education system right now or who's working in it knows that it's really beyond broken. And every system has flaws and it's always been a little flawed, but I feel like in the last five-ish years, even prior to COVID, as an EA anyways, the, the functionality of it was just getting worse by the minute. And um, a lot of that's to do with government issues as well and, and prioritizing, but it has a trickle-down effect. And then even school divisions that are just not appropriately managing the funds they do have which i understand are pretty measly and just uh, there it's just it's fundamentally flawed just like the the government itself right now i think a lot of us would agree is which is a whole other podcast i'm sure mm-hmm. but and i i found that i i just could no longer i held in there for so many years because it's what my what i'm passionate about and what i'm good at and i knew i was making a difference in these kids lives so i never really questioned that it was so much of can I actually effectively do my job anymore? And is it starting to take such a toll on my mental health that I'm actually not going to be able to make a positive change for these children because I'm struggling to even stay positive in my own life? And then a weird part of me wanted to be a role model to the kids and show them that it's okay to put yourself first. Mm-hmm. And really funny because when I walked around on my last week of work and had that conversation with a lot of my students about leaving and the older students especially would always say well why you love your job and I said yeah but I can't do it anymore because it's not good for me anymore it's not serving my soul anymore and and I want to show you know it's important that you choose yourself mm-hmm. even if it means walking away from something or someone that you love right and Do you know how many of those kids, especially the older ones, grade 11s and 12s, were almost in tears because they said, wow, that's such a great lesson and we're so proud of you and we're happy for you and we, you do deserve better. Or it was amazing to see these students who knew that it was a detriment to them for me to be going, but they also appreciated the sentiment and the courage that it was taking to walk away. That's so amazing that you did that and that they actually could feel the intent behind why you were leaving, right? And that does say so much that in my case too, I took short-term disability a few years ago when I was really struggling with my mental health. And I'm a manager at the company that I work at and nobody had taken a mental health leave ever, like ever. It was all physical related. And I was the first one. And if you can show people that it's possible, then other people will follow suit. And so I'm just proud of you for listening to yourself and your soul and what you needed, because then others, these other kids got to see that as well, right? 
Yeah, thank you. And for you too, because we need to, you know, we preach till the cows come home about mental health to our kids. But does it really mean anything if we're not actually holding ourselves to the same standard? Right? Exactly. You can tell your kids till the, you know, at dinner every night, oh, your mental health is important. But if you're not showing them and leading by example, mm-hmm. then it, it at the end of the day, it's not as powerful of an impact. So your children learn that from you, too. They've, you know, they watched you struggle and they watched you have the courage to do something for your mental health. And that hopefully empowers them to do the same. Mm-hmm. I'm, I've been yeah. calling it a lot lately. I've been saying show, don't tell. Yeah. And that I think goes a lot further than just talk is actually show them that you're meditating or that you're going for a walk or that you're taking that time for your health. Right. So, so during COVID there was a diagnosis for you. Do you want to talk about that? Oh, gosh, yeah. So actually, and that was part of the reason I hung in so long, because I was debating leaving. And then I got a early cancer diagnosis. And so I I actually hung in a little longer at that job to make sure that I could have the medical benefits and coverage if I needed them, because I didn't know if I was going to need treatment or or what I was going to need. I feel very lucky that in the end, it was caught early enough that I didn't have to do any chemo or radiation. Yeah, they just ended a surgery and removed any of the tissue that was affected. I think I got I I think I got away pretty lucky with that one. And and it, uh, this is where I'll preach, you know, those those yearly physicals and and examinations. Because if I hadn't done that, it, they might not have caught it early. Mm-hmm. And it, I'm telling a very different story, or I could be maybe not here at all to tell this story today. So that was in. Mm, that was actually the beginning of 2022. Oh, was it? When and that happened. Yeah. So that wasn't all that long ago, really. I'm actually going for my last appointment at the end of this month wow. um, to be in the clear and yeah. back to regular medical treatment. So that is so, so great. Yeah. So when did you, I was actually going to ask you this so many times, when did you officially start doing tarot as like a side hustle? Oh, good. yeah, it was September 2021. Yeah, it was September 2021 when I started doing it for other people officially. And were you nervous? Um, were you pooping your pants? Nervous? You know what? And that's the funny thing about it, Tiff. And the reason that I've done it is I've never been nervous once. And I, that's when you know that it's something that you're supposed to do. Right? I should have been I feel like older versions of me would have been nervous because older versions of me would have allowed other people's opinions or my fears or my insecurities or my ego to take the reins. And at that particular point, I had st- I was still early on in the journey and I was recovering from a, a, a relationship breakup after my ex-husband. So this was just Mm -hmm. someone that I dated for a while who just had a really profound effect on my soul. Mm -hmm. And I just knew, I just knew inherently that, and I did, and a lot of readers start doing general reads. Mm -hmm. They like do the videos or they read for groups of people and it's kind of hit and miss. And there's a little bit of a safety net in that. Mm -hmm. I never even did that. I literally went straight into personal one-on-one reads because I just knew that this was something that I 
was supposed to be doing to help people. And I, I could help them the same way it helped me. And even now, I mean, and I have sometimes I do readings for people and they say, oh, you know, that didn't really resonate. And um, I say, just sit with it. Yeah, because what are, it, it might not resonate right away because maybe you weren't fully prepared to hear those messages or maybe some of these situations haven't played out yet. Mm-hmm. And every time that happens, they end up coming back to me and telling me, oh, it clicked or oh, that happened. And then I kind of realized. And so I've just you have to really just not doubt yourself. Mm-hmm. Same as when you were, you know, let's talk about you in that book that you wrote, which is congratulations yay thank you but same thing in a way same process of just trusting the process and trusting yourself and trusting that whatever's meant to come out will yeah right which is not not always easy because you said that word ego and honestly that is what cripples so many people from doing what ego and fear. And I think those are the same things. And they're just, they just get in the way of really doing what you're supposed to be doing. And for me, my ego and my fear was like, you can't write a book. (laughs) What are you doing? (laughs) Like you're a terrible writer. And so, which I apparently am not a terrible writer. And that's such a cool thing to actually just set those doubts, those self-doubts aside and just do what you know you're supposed to be doing. And the other one for me is podcasting. Like I I never, ever, ever in a million years thought I would be on a microphone talking to people. And, but it feels so natural to me. So- It's just like you. It was like, I'm rarely nervous at the beginning. Of course I was nervous, right? Just because there's so many things involved, but like the actual conversation is not nervous. I'm not nervous doing that. And so that, like you said, that's where, you know, that's what you're supposed to be doing. Well, and there's a difference between nerves and fear, right? Yes, absolutely. Excitement, they can just be general, you know, planning and logistics and stuff too. So I think it's important to be able to distinguish nervousness from fear. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about our spiritual journeys now, because I know we've had many discussions about this, but, (laughs) and I, and I see it in your posts too. And, and I'm starting to like be more comfortable with my spiritual journey, but as a raised Catholic child it hasn't been easy to just be like you know what I believe in God I believe in Jesus you know all of that but I I have a different journey going on right now and I I don't know I I don't know about you but I get some like where I have five heads with some of the stuff that I'm saying or like people are just weirded out how yep. how has your experience been on your spiritual journey? Cool. I mean, I feel like I haven't been met with a lot of resistance or criticism so far. I say that cautiously because I'm sure it'll happen. But I do find it interesting that the more I shared and the more open I was about it, the more you draw in 
people who can relate Mm -hmm. and and that's just like the whole topic of grief right Mm -hmm. if we're going to relate it back to the theme of most of your podcasts in that sense too is that it's something that is we all experience it we just all experience it on our own way and in slightly different ways and the more open you are with others about it and your journey and your experiences the more you're able to connect with like-minded people. And it doesn't even matter if the actual spirituality practices are the same. Just like it doesn't matter if your grief experiences are the same. There's still a bridge to be found there. And so I just, I think maybe that's why I, I've just been so open about it. And I'm a writer too, which is one of our other. Yes. Let's books. talk about your book. Talk about your book. <laughs> oh, your goodness, book well, you're writing another one too, right? Well, yeah, I'm actually in the process of doing my manuscript for my third. Oh, your third. So, yeah, I released one in 2021. And then I had one published through Bookleaf Publishing just in December. But it's just like a little mini um, sampler from a contest that they did across across the world. Yeah. And then now I'm working on the manuscript for, for a full, a little more comprehensive one that, that pulls work from all the way back when I was a teenager. Oh, wow. Yeah, I've been writing since I was a teenager. So this one will be a little, I'm trying to set the stage so that you can actually see my growth and my, and the changes in my writing yeah, yeah. throughout the years. So I'm thinking of doing it just by decade and having a, a section that's the decades when I was a teenager and early young adult, and then splicing it that way. And, and I think it's neat because you can really see the changes in my writing style and in my maturity and in my experiences when you read it like that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. The, it's interesting you say that because I could actually see a difference in my writing style from April 2022 to <laughs> October of this year. Like I go, I went back to my manuscript scrap pile, I called it. I'm like, whoa (laughs) it's wild isn't it it's so wild how once you get into the groove of writing and and find your voice of what you want to say how it all evolves so that would be so interesting to see even from when I was a teenager right I wish I had those notes that would be amazing and that's the thing is it's a neat testimonial to I mean growth in general and then even the poems that I've written since 2020, which was just when my journey kicked into high gear, mm-hmm. even even in that short window, I've changed my approach a lot. And you can see how much my mindset and perspective and feelings have shifted, right? Mm-hmm. So it's just wild to, to be able to kind of chronologically follow that journey. Absolutely. Will you write another book? Oh, good question. I actually think I have for sure one more book in me, but I don't know. Yeah, that's funny. Once you've written one, it's kind of like a tattoo. You just want to do another one. (laughs) That's a great. Keep going and you want to keep writing. And no, I, I know I have more in me, but I'm just, you know, decompressing off of this one and gonna do a little bit other modality type healing, which was going to be my next question is through your healing journey, through your end, the end of your marriage, end of your career that you had, what are some of your other healing modalities that you use in your life? Mm. Um, 
Good question. I've tried, I've dabbled in a lot of different things. I find sound baths and Reiki to be really effective tools for releasing. And that's just me personally. For other people, it's more about bringing stuff in. For me, those have been useful tools for releasing stuff. I'll talk about meditation. And you know why? Mm-hmm. I When I do readings, a lot of the time people, I talk to them about, okay, what do you do to meditate? And they're like, well, I can't meditate. Mm-hmm. And I, okay, but here's the thing. Meditation doesn't have to be sitting in a room with a candle and silence and saying, um, that's lovely. If that works for you, there's actually very few people that that is an effective method. Meditation should be anything that you do that allows you to just completely disconnect from your reality, even if it's for five minutes. So for me, my best meditations is when I'm walking my dog. So I take her for a walk on my own. I crank some music on my phone in my pocket. And I literally tune out and tune in at the same time. I do my best thinking and my best reflecting and my best feeling Mm -hmm. when I'm walking my dog. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. And then cruising down the back road, you know, with the the tunes cranked in your car and the window, if it's nice enough, not like today where it's minus 30. (laughs) You know, window down, wind in your hair. And you just kind of disconnect and it allows you to really center yourself. That is meditation. Absolutely. There's in my experience, I'm doing some breath work training right now and Mm. it's called integrative and meditative breathing, right? Where you go, the integrative is where you're like, not quite deep. You know what I mean? Like you're doing something like you said, like you, that you love that you can disconnect washing dishes so you might not love washing dishes but you know what I mean you're washing yeah, yeah. dishes you're walking your dog you're folding laundry you're sitting on a beach you're mindless is where you can like you said disconnect but then mm-hmm. connect and yeah. then there's the deep meditations and I I can say from my experience it took a while for me to get to that deep meditative state and I don't do them as frequently as I do anymore because I find I I don't know how even how to say this I enjoy the ones that you described where it's I have a 10 minute period of time where I'm just with myself and those deeper ones it's I feel a real huge shift in those ones but it takes a while to recover from them too. Yeah, they you take find they that take, as well. Yeah, and I agree. And I've done some breath work as well a little bit, and 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 I enjoyed that too. Um, but I agree that there's different like tiers and levels, and I, we're moms, we work, and mm-hmm. and it's important that we find time to disconnect. But sometimes we can't afford two whole days to mm-hmm. to recover physically and mentally and emotionally from something and you have to know when to honor that right so that's that's important too is knowing when you're capable of doing something a little bigger or when you just need a quick fix right yeah that's a good way of putting it because I don't know about your um when you have your kids but like I have mine every other week so I find that I'm doing my deeper ones where I have time to recover a bit from the healing that happens in those meditations. I do those yeah. ones when my kids are not with me 
And then the other sure. where I, I don't go as deep. I, I do them like before I go to bed or first thing in the morning, yeah. right. Where I know that I'm getting the benefit of yeah. the, this connection, but not the, oh, I am healing yeah. right now. <laughs> and it's tricky when you're, when you're healing and then trying to raise kids, because on one hand, you want them to be exposed to it in a sense. And you want them, you don't want to hide reality and your struggle and your healing journey from them, but they're fragile little souls and they're still navigating and learning. Mm -hmm. And so you don't want to burden them with it either. And it's, it's been a fine line for me, what I can and cannot share with them or what I choose to share with them so that it can be beneficial to them, but not weigh them down because they don't need to carry my stuff. That's mm -hmm. the reason I'm doing what I'm doing right now is because I carried other people's stuff as a kid and I didn't learn how not to until I guess better late than never. <laughs> <laughs> better late than never. <laughs> but, but I'm trying and I know I can't prevent it at all. Mm -hmm. No matter what I do, they're going to be carrying stuff. But my girls are very empathetic and compassionate like me and they're very in tune. So they feel what I feel. And if I can do some of that heavy lifting when they're not around, mm -hmm. then it might not affect them as profoundly. And they don't have to carry stuff that I don't think they should have to carry. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. I've made a point recently because speaking of grief, I recently lost a former student who was also almost like a stepson to me. He was only 19 and mm -hmm. I went to his memorial on Saturday and I said all morning to the girls because obviously the energy was funky. I was really trying to prepare myself mentally and emotionally. Yeah. Um, it, there was other dynamics involved in it for me because the <laughs> the father of this person is a very deep soul connection for me. And so there's other emotions that I knew were going to come to the surface and that were going to challenge me. Yeah. And so I, I was really in a funky headspace that morning trying to get myself ready. And I, and I pulled my girls aside and I said, listen, I know you can feel it. I know you can sense the energy. Mm -hmm. I don't want you to tiptoe around me and I don't want you to think that it's anything that you did. Mm -hmm. I'm processing and I'm preparing right now yeah. for what I have to go do today. And then when I come back, I'm probably going to be pretty sad and I'm probably going to be crying and stuff. And that's okay. I just want you to know that I, I'll figure it out. We got it. Give me a hug, love me up, but it's not yours to carry and, yeah. and don't feel, I don't want you to tiptoe around me because this doesn't need to be tiptoed around. It has to be felt. We have to work through it. And it and, was great. And did that, did, do you think that that helped your girls? I, I really think it does. Yeah. I really think it helps them when, when you can verbalize and identify the energy mm -hmm. for your kids, or even if you can't identify it, just tell, I'm having an off day, kids. Mm -hmm. It's not you. Mm -hmm. It's me. Because mm -hmm. especially when you have intuitive children, which most children are, mm -hmm. right? They haven't been corrupted yet. Yeah. And so they pick up on stuff and, and think about it. If And I think about when I was a kid and how much stuff I was feeling. And then it was never validated. Mm -hmm. And and that's nobody's fault. Mm -hmm. It is what it is. But, but that really contributed to me ignoring my own feelings. Mm -hmm. Because they were never validated. So I just learned to ignore them. And that was really detrimental to me as an adult. So I'm trying to, at the very least, help my kids understand that it's okay if you're feeling that weird energy. Let's 
let's try to identify it. And if we can't identify it, let's just acknowledge it and say, hey, we're all aware that we're feeling this right now. Mm-hmm. Maybe we can address it later or we can address it now. You're not, you're not crazy. You're yeah. not crazy for picking up on that. Because that, that's something that's I didn't huge. Have. That's huge because, and I just talked about this on this week's podcast too. I've talked about it in my book too, is acknowledging those feelings and actually sitting down and having those conversations with our kids, like in those moments where we're having a bad day, where we yelled at them, where we, you know, are not feeling our best. And it's coming across in our parenting and could be detrimental to them in what we've said or, and the energy that we're giving off, just sitting down and saying, look, this is what I am experiencing right now. It just allows them to then feel comfortable to voice how they're feeling too. Exactly. And the difference is amazing. My youngest has some anxiety issues and she used to really struggle with verbalizing And I've been working really hard on that for me and for her subsequently. And lately she's just so open and she's coming out with stuff. And it's sad sometimes, right? Because it hurts to Mm -hmm. have to see her going through stuff. But I'm so happy that she's learning to be comfortable sitting with that, those feelings and then verbalizing them accordingly, because that's something I think was really important for, for youth that we don't do enough of mm-hmm. yeah actually in this age where you can just hide behind a screen and there's such a disconnect with that and and just shove everything down and I'm really working hard to try and make sure that I'm giving them some tools so that they're not paying the price later in their 30s when their life falls apart <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> like can we get ahead of the curve a little bit <laughs> I think we are both doing that and I think it's just going to benefit our kids if we like Mm -hmm. you said we can't protect them from everything we can't stop these things from happening but if we can give them the tools yeah that are helping us and show them how it's helping us maybe they'll even show us some that are helping them that we don't know about that would be cool too (laughs) right oh my god kids are they've taught me so much in the last few years too while I've been doing all this and and unintentionally just by being kids and just by looking at things from a different perspective or just by saying one sentence that they didn't realize the weight that was behind their words when they say that to their to their parent they've they've schooled me (laughs) many times and I'm not ashamed to admit it because why there's no harm in that you know we Mm -hmm. That's the point. We need to be open to whatever sticks. Yeah. I love being schooled by them. (laughs) I love it. I even wrote that in at the back of my book. Thank you for all of the lessons that you're teaching me. Because Mm -hmm. honestly, every single week now when I have them, I'm like, okay, that's a new one. (laughs) Put that in the the record book. (laughs) It is. It's something, isn't it? And 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 circling back to grief is a big one, I think, because depending on what happens to you as a child and whether you experience profound grief or not, it's not something you can really ever be prepared for. But if you have been given the tools 
on how to navigate your emotions in general and how to process and work through them, then chances are you're going to, you're not going to maybe be as consumed by grief when it does hit. Mm -hmm. At least that's right. It's always Mm -hmm. consuming, I think temporarily, Yeah, but, but it's what tools do you have in your toolbox that, that determine how you come out the other side? Well, for me personally, I know for a fact, if I, my spiritual journey, my spiritual awakening all started in 2020. My brother passed away October, 2021. So I had almost a year and a half of where I was really connecting and where the fear of not seeing my loved ones again was no longer there. So having that practice and that that experience of connecting to spirit absolutely gave me comfort when my brother passed away that I don't know if I would even be remotely where I am in my grief journey if I hadn't had that experience yeah so I'm so so grateful that that happened and I think it happened when it did happen so that I could be prepared for it. It was orchestrated in one way or another, right? Mm-hmm. And, and whether you believe in a specific God or just whatever powers it be, universe, spirit, you name it. I mean, it's all by design. And then that's not to say we don't have free will, but certainly they wouldn't give us something if it's not meant to be in our lives at that moment. Mm-hmm. And so there is a lot of comfort in that too. And I, I think when we get really comfortable sometimes, like for me, I kept just ignoring things and kept living status quo and I was very much in survival mode. And they'll just it'll just keep pushing you until the discomfort of staying or not changing or ignoring outweighs the discomfort of acknowledging it. And so for me, that's just what happened, right? It just got to the point where the discomfort of continuing on the path was worse than the discomfort of uprooting everything mm-hmm. and basically starting a new life and rebuilding myself as a person because it was time. So that they'll just my away. experience too. That exactly what you just how you just said it, you. how you just said that is exactly my experience, and it just kept gnawing at me. Nine at me. It's like, yeah, yeah, something's not right. Yeah. And so, on that note, I had asked you if you would pull a card for mm-hmm. us for mm-hmm. the end of this podcast episode. So, this would be a card for whoever needs to hear this message today. Absolutely. So, the deck that I'm going to use is called the Spirit Animal Oracle. Love it's that a- one. Beautiful. Yeah. One of my favorites. The artwork is stunning. A lot of the advice is rooted in Indigenous beliefs in regards to spirit animals. So I'll just give a quick shuffle and then we'll pull a card. And I always am a believer that whoever's listening or watching this, whenever it comes out, may need to hear this, right? Mm-hmm. Let's see. Ooh. Wasp spirit. Sometimes life stings. Mm -hmm. so I'm gonna read the full message 
I've only gotten this card once before in a reading, so I'm, I don't even really recall exactly what it says, but here's our message. Not all that spirit creates in nature is easy to love, but when we look through the eyes of wasp spirit, we recognize that even though sometimes life stings, there is a purpose for pain just as there, there is a purpose for wasps in the natural world. Wasps keep insect populations down, supporting the growth of plants, so too the sting of life may hurt and you may feel deeply disappointed or even resentful that wasp spirit has shown up. But you will soon come to see that this spirit has something wonderful in store for you. You may well come to realize that being stung can lead to something far better than you had envisioned. Perhaps behind the scenes, wasp spirit was conspiring with spirit to ensure that you could grow something of value. Spirit has a plan and wasp spirit plays a part. Have you ever looked back and been glad that your prayers weren't answered because the path you took led to something even better? Wasp spirit is a reminder to reflect on those times. For today's sting may hurt, but something better awaits you. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's appropriate incredible. what we were just saying about that gnawing feeling, right? And discomfort. Yeah. The discomfort of that wasp. The discomfort Sting. and how much discomfort are you willing to accept and endure knowing that what's on the other side will probably be that much better. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Where can people find you, Pamela, and learn about you and get their own reading, learn about your writing, all of that good stuff? Ah, thank you. I have uh, a Facebook page. It's Indigo Rose Intuition. Indigo is spelt the Gaelic way, so it's actually I-N-D-E-A-G-O. And my books are both on Amazon. So if you type in my name, Pamela O'Brien, you should find them, especially if you put in poetry, because it's pretty niche, mm -hmm. pretty niche genre. And yeah, also I'm just in the community, right? So if you're anyone who is ever out in the Diamond Valley, as we call it now, area, mm -hmm. and if you ask around... People know because I'm born and raised out here. So you'll find me. <laughs> and I will link everything in the show notes so they can find you there as well. I end every episode with asking my guests what they are grateful for today. So what mm -hmm. are you grateful for today? It has to be one thing. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, um, it can I, be multiple. <laughs> right. I think right now with the way that the world is in terms of the economy and everything going on. And I'm unemployed, but I'm still grateful. I'm grateful right now that I have a roof, that I have food, that I have heat, mm -hmm. that I have running water, clean drinking water, all those very basic essentials that we all should have. Because I feel like there's just an insane amount of people that don't have that. Mm-hmm. I am really grateful for that, especially these cold days like this, mm -hmm. being in my safe house with my family. Yeah. I agree. That's that. I actually just wrote about that this week in my gratitude journal. I'm just grateful mm -hmm. for my home and the heat that I have and um, my coffee. So yeah, I'm coffee, always good so coffee. If you had <laughs> asked me that question in the morning, I probably would have been holding the coffee and saying, <laughs> coffee exactly well thank yeah. you so much for coming on my podcast and talking about 
your own journey and and how how it's been hard in some yeah. respects but it's also been beautiful too and I love it you gotta Two sides love it. The there is it is so thank you so much again I I hope everybody goes and checks out Pamela yeah thank you for having me and sharing more of your story too thank you I cannot tell you how much love and gratitude I have for you, Pamela. After we hit stop on our recording, we kept talking and talking and talking. There are some lessons we are given in this lifetime that not everyone has, and others would definitely not understand. I am going through something that Pamela is also experiencing, and to know I have her to talk to about it is just so comforting and is just another reminder to me how loving God is to not leave me floundering by myself. There is always someone who is going through something very similar. Sometimes you just have to stop long enough to recognize when they are put in your path like Pamela was for me. I would love to hear about your hard beautiful journey as well even if yours is more beautiful than hard or more hard than beautiful. All of our stories matter, and there is so much healing in sharing these stories with others. Please trust me in this truth. If you are interested in sharing your story, please go to my website at tiffcarson.com and head to the podcast page to fill out an application or send me an email at hello at tiffcarson.com. Also, if this is the first time hearing my podcast, I wrote a book. I wrote a book. It's called Dancing in the Rain, and I would love if you'd check it out. But even more, I'd love if you'd leave me a five-star review on Amazon where you purchased it. That's how it will get seen by many more people around the world, and that would be so freaking amazing. Okay, so that's it for today, friends. I hope you have a beautiful day, and I will see you talk to you next week. Until then, be kind and stay well. Bye-bye.